you today i hope that you're keeping well and that all is going well at your end now whatever your circumstance whatever your experience or your situation rest assured that god loves you he has chosen you you are important to him and so today we'll be talking about love that four-lettered word l-o-v-e and we know how the bible describes love for us and we also know that our lord jesus christ when he came here on earth to experience the bulk of what we're experiencing now he was asked this question which of all the commandments is the greatest and he told us in Matthew chapter 22 verses 34 to 40 that the greatest commandment the foundation of all commandments indeed is to love God with all our heart with all our soul and with all our mind and that we should also love our neighbors as we love ourselves Our neighbor is that person who will be impacted by our acts or inactions. Not necessarily people we come in contact with, but people who our acts and our inactions would also impact. Those are our neighbors. And of course, if you don't love yourself, you can't love another person. But first, let me tell you about this book that I came in contact with about six years ago now. It's called the five love languages and is authored by a man called Gary Chapman so in this book Gary was trying to explain that sometimes people in relationships have severe challenges because the way one person expresses love for the other is not necessarily the same way the person the recipients or suppose recipients of the love naturally feels loved. So he said that human beings feel love in five different ways. And that to show how much we love someone, we have to speak that person's own love language. So take for instance, you could be someone who enjoys to do something for another person. But that does not necessarily mean that if the same acts were reciprocated for you, you will feel loved. So you might love to buy gifts for people as your way of expressing how much you love them. But you may not necessarily feel loved when people buy gifts for you. So... Things like spending quality time with you could be your own love language. So, back to Gary. Gary was saying that the five ways human beings feel loved are one, acts of service, which means taking active steps to relieve the burdens and responsibilities of another person, you know, serving somebody else out of love and not out of obligation. Two, words of affirmation so for people who have words of affirmation as their 
love language unsolicited compliments praise appreciation hearing kind and encouraging words they all build that person up and they make the person feel special so if you encounter someone whose <laughs> love language is word of affirmation any insultive word spoken to that person may not be easily forgotten the third love language according to gary chapman is receiving gifts yes now many men would love to think that (laughs) many women have this as their love language right So, according to Gary, giving in a manner that demonstrates that the giver cares for and cherishes the recipients helps the recipients to feel loved if the recipient's love language is receiving gifts. So, this is not necessarily materialism, and the gifts represent a heartfelt symbol that the giver has love and affection for the recipient. The fourth love language from Gary's description is physical touch so here he gives examples such as hugs, pats, touchful um, touchful touches that show excitement concern, care and love that the other person has for another so to, to the people who fall within this category physical presence and accessibility are crucial neglect or abuse can be very destructive or difficult to forgive or forget so appropriate and timely touches show warmth safety and love to the recipient who has physical touch as their primary love language and the final love language the fifth love language according to Gary Chapman is quality time So Gary says that people with this love language, they desire the full, undivided attention of the one that they love. And being there for this group of persons make them to feel special and loved. So distractions, postponed activities, missed appointments, or failure to listen may um, make them feel very hurtful. Failure to remember important dates, wedding, anniversaries, birthdays, events, or discussions can be very helpful to this, this class of persons. So to deepen the connection with a person whose primary love language is quality, is quality time, this requires spending time, uninterrupted time with that person, talking, listening to them, or doing the activities that they enjoy with them in order to demonstrate your connection with them. So quality time is very valuable to this class of persons. So these are the five principal love languages according to Gary Chapman. And he says, oftentimes human beings have a mixture of these five, but some are more dominant than the others. Now, the most interesting thing is that the way we demonstrate our love for one person is not necessarily the way uh, we reflect how we want others to love us. 
So example, you may love to give to others without necessarily desiring for them to give you things in return. So our love language is revealed in what we desire for the one that we love, what we desire from the one that we love and not necessarily how we are willing or capable of loving them. Now you agree with me that communication is one of the most critical elements for a successful relationship. For a relationship to succeed, the persons in that relationship have to have effective communication. They have to communicate effectively. The beauty of our relationship with God is that he has told us everything he has to say in the Bible. And he helps us to understand it through his Holy Spirit. So the Bible is complete. In the scriptures, God bears his mind and his heart to us. He tells us and he reveals everything about himself to us from Genesis to Revelations. Everything that he wants us to know about him, he has told us. So he also tells us how to love him in the scriptures. Yes. (laughs) Interesting, right? Yeah. God revealed his love languages to us in various passages of the scriptures and we'll explore some of them in this episode. So as we read earlier, our Lord Jesus in the book of Matthew 22 verses 34 to 40 told us that the most important commandments God has given to us, the most important thing God desires from you and I is to love him with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with the entire essence of our being, our entire emotion, our nature, and our understanding. Now, how do we demonstrate that we love God? How can we truly show that we love God? The first act of love for God is in obedience. To love God is to obey Him. Yes, (laughs) we're back to obedience, guys. To love God is to obey God. And we have to obey God even when it does not make sense. You know, sometimes some people say, if God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. But the truth really is that if God has said it, that is the way it is. It is settled. There is no no place for arguments. Whether it is believed or not, God's word is final. Is undisputed, it's unchallenged, and it does not have to make sense to you or to others for it to be obeyed. Consider Adam and Eve, for example. They were given an instruction not to touch the tree <laughs> in, the, in the Garden of Eden. But they did touch it and not just touch it, they, they actually ate out of it. Disobeying God, first of all, puts his integrity at stake shows that we do not trust him and almost makes God a liar in our own sight. So to love God is to show that we obey him, active obedience. And examples of people who had obeyed God even when it didn't make sense. Number one, Noah. In the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 6, Genesis Genesis chapter 7 and chapter 8, we see that Noah obeyed God by building an ark. 
even though he had never seen rain Noah had never seen rain he had never seen a flood he had never experienced the flood i mean i'm sure it didn't make sense to him when he when 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 it was told to him that rain will fall and everywhere will be covered with water and all living things will die so construct an ark you and your family and everybody that agrees to listen to you should get in there because i will destroy the entire world it must have appeared like uh, a joke right because the scriptures record that it had never rained on on the earth before then so when noah was constructing the ark and we were not told that noah was a carpenter the scriptures do not record that he was a carpenter so he probably didn't even know how to build an ark but he was following god's instructions and god held his hand along the way and god gave him the dimensions you know the width the breadth the type of wood and he followed the exact instructions that god gave him now we can only imagine that while he was constructing the ark people were laughing at him in fact, the scriptures do record that people were laughing at him, even when he was asking them to get into the ark. That people were, you know, in merriment, getting married, having parties, going about their daily activities, when suddenly the, the earth gave off water from under the ground, the oceans overflew their bank, overflooded. Uh, from their banks the rivers the same the heavens opened and the rains came the flood came and killed everything that was living on the earth except for noah his family and the animals he had put in the ark so we see that obedience saved, saved noah's life obeying god as an act of love he believed god he trusted god and he was saved we also see abraham who was then called abraham and he was told to leave his father's house and everything in his family and move to a place that god was going to show him imagine you you're just here and god <laughs> god tells you to up and leave he's not telling where you're going to and he says just leave this entire place where you are now how many of us will really obey that some will go and ask a pastor to help to interpret whether what they were hearing was correct or not but abraham obeyed and we also see that abraham did not have a child for a hundred years and when god eventually gave him a son god asked him to sacrifice that son to him and abraham was actually willing to make that sacrifice and when god searched his heart and saw that this man was actually willing to give up his heir God said stop this is a lamb for you to make a sacrifice and this is a covenant to show that you and I work together I will give you more sons more children than the stars uh, above the earth or more than the sand by the seashore your children will be uncountable your generation shall be uncountable so Abraham was willing to give to God all that he had. Abraham obeyed God's instruction to make a sacrifice, even though in the eyes of men it probably would not have made sense. I can only imagine how Sarah felt. I'm sure he I'm sure Sarah, Sarah did not know that when Abraham left with Isaac that day uh to the mountain that he had aimed to sacrifice him because I'm sure that if Sarah knew, she probably would not have allowed Abraham to take that step. 
So to love God is to obey him. And we see that in the book of Genesis chapter 22 and also in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 in the New Testament. The scriptures remembered, you know, in the New Testament, Abraham's act of obedience and that that was counted unto him as faith. We also see another act of obedience through Moses, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, David. In respective parts of the scriptures, you see so many examples of men and women that obeyed God, even when they didn't understand the essence of the obedience. So obedience provokes unimaginable favor and blessings from God. Our Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew chapter 14, verse 15, he says that if you love me, you will obey my commandments. As in, it, that's, that's all he said in that verse, just short. If you say you love me, obey me. If you say you love God, if you know that you love God, is to obey him. And it could be a simple or difficult instruction. But to love God is to obey Him. Now, food for thought. If spirits, elements, nature, forces, principalities, if the heavenly beings and all things created, both great and small, if they can all obey God, why is it difficult for you and I to obey God? Why is it difficult for us to obey God's commandments? Why is it difficult for us to obey God's commandments? And it's very important for us to obey God because you see in the book of uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, Peter, while speaking to Christians, said that, what shall it be for those that do not obey the gospel of God, seeing that judgment will begin from the house of God himself? You know, the judgment of God will start from the children of God. So what will become of those who do not even obey God, if those who try to have some semblance of obedience, they will be the first people to be judged? So this is one reason why we have to be more careful in our daily walk with God to obey him. The second love language God has is to care for the things that concern him. To love God is to care for the people and the things that matter to God. And we see this in John chapter 15 verses John chapter 21 beg your pardon verses 15 to 17. So in this passage, we see that Jesus had resurrected from the dead and he had been on earth for 40 days. Now, within that 40 days period, he had appeared to his apostles from time to time before he ascended to heaven. During one of his appearances to the apostles, he prepared breakfast for them. And after they had finished eating, he turned to Simon Peter the one who had received revelation that Jesus was the Savior and the Son of God, the one disciple who had demonstrated fearlessness, courage, and enthusiasm in serving God. 
Peter turned to him. Our Lord Jesus turned to Peter. And in John 21 from verse 15, it reads, I'm reading the New Living Translation. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Once more he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. So you see that three times, Jesus made Peter to affirm his love for him. And he instructed Peter on those three occasions that Peter should take care of the most important thing to Christ at that time. I.e. The apostles and disciples as well as all those that will believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. So to love God is to care for the things that matter to God. What has God given you to care for? And how do you treat the things that God has put in your care and your custody? These include your talent, your resources, your body, your family, the people that God has put in your sphere of influence on a day-to-day basis, whether at work, in your place of business, in your school, at home, wherever you find yourself, the people you encounter on a daily basis, including those you encounter on the road when you are commuting. How much of God do people see in you? How much of God do people see in me when they experience me or interact with me and you? Please think about these questions. The third love language that God has, the third way God wants us to demonstrate our love for him, is to give. Yes, God requires us to give ourselves to him. He requires us to give yourself he requires you to give yourself and all you have for use to his glory so in john chapter 3 verse 16 he gives us the example first by saying that he so loved the world so much he loved the world so much he loved you and i so much that he gave everything he had he gave his one and only son jesus christ so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life So giving is a demonstration of our love, appreciation, and trust for God. And he gave us the example by giving us first, such that even when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we are required to give ourselves to God and make ourselves available for God's use as his vessel unto honor and his instrument of praise. Know that all you have belongs to God. So you are to give him freely without holding anything back. 
all I have belongs to God. All we have belongs to God. So we are to give to God freely without holding anything back because we came to this world with nothing and we depart with nothing. Including our intellects, our wisdom, our resources. All we have, he has given to us. So we are to use all of these in serving him. Now, as Christians, the scriptures give us an example of how we should give the New Testament way. And we see this in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, from verse 1 to 5. In this passage, the Apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthians and he was giving an example to the Christians in Corinth using the Christians in Macedonia as an example. So reading from the New Living Translation, it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 from verse 1. Now I want to tell you, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done for the churches in Macedonia. Though they have been going through much trouble and hard times, their wonderful joy and deep poverty have overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the gracious privilege of sharing in the gifts the, for the Christians in Jerusalem. Best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes, for their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us for whatever directions God might give them. So in this passage, we see that the Christians in Macedonia first gave themselves true selfless dedication disregarding their personal interests. They gave themselves to God first. They gave as much as they could and they disregarded that which was of personal interest to them. So you see that God will not require us to give beyond our capacity. God will not require you to give beyond your capacity. But trust me, you always have something to give if you search deep within yourself. It could be material or non-material. It could be physical or non-physical. But you always have something to give. And as the scripture says, that the Macedonian Christians give themselves first. So even if you don't have any other thing to give, you give yourself first. That's number one. Secondly, the Christians in Macedonia were in severe poverty. They were in severe trial and extreme poverty. So you see, it's bad enough to be in trial and be poor. But to be described as being in severe trial and extreme poverty, it depicts the precarious states of the Christians in Macedonia. So one could have regarded them as being helpless. But they overlooked their state of need and they sought for ways to demonstrate their love through giving. They put themselves for use by the apostles and the church for direction in accordance with God's will. 
So he said that thirdly, they were willing to serve to the glory of God. Now, make no mistake. Anything that is contrary to God's word is not service to God. Anything that demonstrates hate, anything that is evil, anything that is the work of the flesh is not of God and it can never be accepted by God. But the Macedonian Christians were willing to serve God, giving themselves freely to be directed in accordance with God's word to the glory of God. A fourth way we can learn from the Christians in Macedonia is that they rejoiced in being generous to give. They did not give grudgingly nor out of compulsion. They did not regret their giving. They gave themselves and all that they could by choice and of their own free will and in joy and in thanksgiving. So it's to rejoice in giving to God. It's to rejoice in serving God. It's to rejoice in giving ourselves in service to others. And finally, the Christians in Macedonia, they sought for opportunities to give to other Christians and for the work of the Lord. So we can demonstrate that we love God by learning from the Christians in Macedonia and giving to God. Now, none of these acts of love or demonstration are exclusive. As a matter of fact, they are all conjunctive. To show that we love God, we have to be obedient. We have to care for him and the things that concern him. And we have to give to him and give to others for his own glory. And we see from the book of Matthew chapter 25 from verses 34 to 40. Our Lord Jesus Christ gave us some core examples of how our love for God will be determined on the last day. And there he told us to do seven things. Some of the things we we need to do in addition to what we have already described. Number one, to feed the hungry, to give drink to those who are thirsty to show love to strangers, to be hospitable, to clothe those who are naked, to care for those who are sick, to visit those who are in in prison, and to show genuine care for others. Because when we do these things for others, we are also doing the same for God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So to close this episode, we would take a cue from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7 that describes love to us and it tells us that love is patient love is kind love is not jealous it is not boastful it is not proud it is not rude love does not demand its own way it is not selfish it does not insist on its own rights or its own way For it is not self-seeking. Love is not irritable. It does not keep record of when it has been wronged. Love is never glad about injustice. But rather love rejoices when the truth wins. 
Love never gives up. It never loses faith. Love is always hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. And above all, love will last forever. So this is an encouragement to each and every one of us. As much as God loves us, we encourage each other to show our love for God through the respective love languages that he has already revealed to us in the scriptures. To love God is to love others because guess what? (laughs) He has created every human being in his own image. Yes. If you say you love God that you've not seen, but you cannot love the human being that is next to you, I'm sorry. You do not have love for God. So one of the fastest ways you can start demonstrating love for God is by loving those around you. And obeying Him too. And one simple obedience that God requires from us is to follow His Son Christ Jesus, whom He has pointed to us as the way, the truth, and the life. That nobody can come to Him except through Jesus Christ. That is as simple as that tree in the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve were asked not to touch. As simple as it is, this is my son believe. I know that some people still do not. But my prayer for you and my prayer for all who also believe is that we find Christ, we believe him and we hold on to our faith in him until the end of time. May God bless you. May God make you feel his love for you. And may God help you to demonstrate your love for him. Every second and every moment of this day and always in Jesus' name. Amen. Take care. Bye.